welcome. In this podcast, we get Peter Kalizos to peel back the curtains on his remarkable involvement in property. Peter is the Program Director for the Master of Property at the University of Adelaide, where they focus on property development and town planning. He has been teaching in real estate and investment for over 20 years. Peter also personally develops and invests in property and currently owns several properties. We've dived deep. Tony invites Peter to talk about risk and return and compare residential property with commercial from Peter's own experience. Peter Kalizos is well known in Australia, being a regular contributor to numerous newspapers, magazines, websites, television, and also being a published author. There are some gems to learn, so listen in. Hey there, gurus. This is Tony Buffett, your host of the Commercial Property Insiders Podcast. This is the podcast that takes you to the inner sanctum of commercial property millionaires, investors, and industry experts. This is where Australia's top insiders reveal their secrets about making positive cash flow, passive income through commercial property. This is a non-BS, unscripted, unrehearsed podcast designed to give you ideas and inspiration to become the next commercial property millionaire guru just like many of my guests. And be sure to stay tuned right to the end, gurus, where I ask each expert insider to give you, the listener, a secret 30-second tip. This is something I love to ask all of my guests as a special bonus for you. Three, two, one. Commercial properties are go. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Commercial Property Insiders podcast. And it's my great pleasure to have with us Peter Kalizos. And Peter is uh, a program director, Master of Property at Adelaide University. Welcome, Peter. Hello, Tony. How are you? Yeah, all good. All good. Thanks, Peter. Uh, It's a great pleasure to have you here. I can honestly say that of the people that we've talked to, we've never met uh, a a university lecturer on property. Um, We haven't talked to anyone um, with your experience and qualification. I believe you've been teaching uh, property uh, for over 20 years. Is that right? Yeah, I've been teaching in real estate and investment for over 20 years at various organisations. I'm currently at uh, Adelaide Uni, but I was at Uni, I say, before that. I actually started at the WEA. South Australians would know the WEA um, with short courses. But, yeah, I've had a, a great interest in property because my father was a real estate agent, so I grew up with uh, property and uh, I became a teacher. So if you love property and you're a teacher, then you teach property, don't you? Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, that was the question I was going to ask you. What, where did the interest come from? Was this like a childhood dream to become a... Oh, no, no. It, um, no. So Dad was a real estate agent, as I said before. So we, I grew up with real estate. I used to go out and help Dad if he was... I mean, he used to invest himself as well, not just sell property for other people. So, so I would go out and help Dad to make cart rubbish or do some gardening, you know, I, I didn't have many skills. I still don't have many skills, but I, I was certainly a good labourer. And we would talk about property around the table, you know, it wasn't a taboo subject. And, you know, without deliberately going out to learn about it, I think just through a process of osmosis, just the fact that I was around, uh, you know, I learned a lot of stuff. I mean, they teach you a lot of stuff at uni, but uh, unfortunately you don't teach a lot of the real world stuff. Right. And you don't know what happens in the real world until you actually uh, invest in it yourself. 
Exactly. So, because you're a, a, an investor yourself as well. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so, so invest and and develop. Yep. Oh, good. And a developer as well. So, tell us more about what you do uh, in your role and how you help um, both students and you know potentially investors as well. Yep. So, at the moment, I'm the program director for the Master of Property at uh, the University of Adelaide. We focus on property development and town planning, whereas many other property courses focus on valuation. Uh, So it's a master, so you need an undergraduate degree to come in. Most of our students are international students from a variety of countries. Uh, And we cover topics such as uh, development, asset management, property research and marketing, uh, but importantly, what we try, we try and emulate what happens in the real world. And for many of our courses, we have our property students working with our planning students, working with the architects, all on the one case study. Uh, and in other classes, we have property students working with construction management students on the same project. So because ideally, especially when it comes to development, the earlier on in the process, you can get all the stakeholders together, the far better off you are going to be like, you don't want the architect going off designing what they think is fantastic. And it might be, but then the construction bloke comes in and says, mate, we can't build this. It's going to be too expensive. There's no profit in it. So that's what we try and do on the course. So far as investors are concerned. So at previous gigs, when I was at the WEA and after that at at TAFE, uh, I used to run classes on helping property uh, or teaching property investors how to invest in property and then we went and did, and then we had a development course as well, and then we did renovation. So at the moment, for me, it's mainly teaching theory to the students, but I try and use real life case studies wherever I can. But in the past, it's been it's been teaching uh, property investors how to make money, particularly in the Adelaide real estate market. Right, right. Now you cover both residential and commercial, so. Can you give us a bit of a, and you've written some books I, I see as well, so a couple of books on property. Can you give us a bit of a rundown on how you compare the two for a, a relatively new investor, someone yeah. like me? I, I've been in residential property investment all of my life, all of my adult life, but commercial is something new that I'm looking at venturing because I get a, a lot of uh, messages from people saying that it's positive cash flow, passive income, day one you make money, No, none of this... Uh, you know, negative gearing stuff. So I'd, I'd like to hear your perspective on that and how you compare the two types of investments. Sure. So it, it basically comes down to risk and return. And so residential property is relatively low risk and as a con- consequence, relatively low returns. Commercial property has a higher return, but that comes at a higher risk. And the major risk in commercial property is the vacancy rate. Unlike your house, if you lose your tenant from your house or your unit, you will probably get one tomorrow or next week. But if you lose your tenant from your industrial property or some other commercial property, it may be weeks, months, or in some cases, even years before you start getting your your, uh, rent from your next tenant. If I could just give you a current example, Tony. So I'm helping somebody... uh, uh, buy a commercial property at the moment. Yep. And the property they're looking to buy, the property uh, has been vacant for two years. 
So oh, despite really? trying to attract a tenant, it has been vacant for two years. What so, location, Peter? Sorry? What location? In the CBD of Adelaide. Really? The, the other really? issue is, Tony, you have to offer a 35% incentive, which sounds very fancy, but you just change the word incentive to discount. So yep. in other words, if you're going to take a three-year lease, the first year is rent-free. So it all looks wonderful, you know, 6 or 7% return. Yeah, but, you know, 35% incentive, it uh, certainly changes that. But if we continue with, with the risk there, Tony, so most commercial tenants are involved in business. So not only is their rental income from the commercial property dependent on the quality of the tenant, as it is in residential property, how good they are or how good a person they are, but it's also heavily relying on the health of the economy. And a healthy economy right. generally means healthy business and vice versa. You know, and for, I'll give you one small example, all right? Sure. The amount of dry cleaners that have shut up shop in the last year has been phenomenal because um, people weren't going to work in their fancy clothes, there weren't any weddings, and so they've closed up. Tourism has been hit heavily, travel has been hit heavily, as is retail, as is hospitality. So, but doesn't mean that the building is only good to be a dry cleaner because the dry cleaner moves out. And in this case, the shop next door, which is a supermarket, has extended. So right. you need to be able to have a flexible space, I think, because yeah. that'll also help mitigate your risk. Uh, buying commercial property can often be more expensive and complex than buying residential property. Generally, contracts for residential property are quite standard, yep. you know, from the Law Society or from the Real Estate Institute of South Australia. But uh, contracts to purchase commercial property can be pages and pages long. Yeah, um, yeah I understand. Maintaining commercial property can also greatly affect your cash flow. So renovating a commercial property is not simply a paint job and new carpet like it might be in a house. It may also require a new air conditioning, refitting, yep. upgrading, uh, removal of asbestos if it's damaged. So these renovations are also relevant to residential property, but they can cost much more with commercial. If you can, if you can write it in the lease that the tenant is uh, in charge of that, fantastic. But if you have no tenant, you've got to do it uh, yourself. But... One of the great things, I know I've been canning commercial property so far, sorry, Tony, <laughs> but one right. of the great things about commercial property is the tenant generally pays all the outgoings. Correct. So if they give you $50,000 a year in rent, you're probably going to keep 49000 of it. Whereas if you get $50,000 a year in rent from residential property, if you've got a property manager as well at that expense, you're probably only going to keep 30000 That's right. So... Yep. Absolutely. You know, your net exactly. rent is very close to your uh, mm. gross rent. Um, you, what can I ask? Would you yeah. recommend commercial property investment in this environment uh, at right now? Because we know that, I know that as a, as a mortgage broker, the residential market is absolutely booming. It hasn't been like this since I think I first built, bought a house in the 80s. Um, and I know commercial uh, is, is really hot as well. What would be your... Uh, recommendation for, and I know it's you know, depends on the investor and their circumstances. I understand, but as a general, you know, yeah. someone who wants to get into property, what well, you know, the pros and cons of both. You've mentioned some, but what what do you think generally? Yeah, well, look, Tony, I always had the idea that 
when I got to the age that I am, I would sell up most of my residential property because I'm sick of dealing with residential tenants <laughs> and buy less hassle commercial property. Yeah. But COVID-19 has just, you know, taught me another lesson. I was thinking buying a small shopping centre would be ideal because you've got the big supermarket and then mm. you might have five or six or seven little shops. All right, if the dry cleaner goes broke, that's very unfortunate, but then a fruit and veg shop might go in or something else might go in. Yep. All right, the, your, what we call your anchor tenant is the supermarket. Right. But what COVID-19 has, has, has showed, and which is really just a continuation of what happened after the GFC, it, it's really hit retail bricks and mortar. You don't have to go physically go to the shop anymore. You can buy online. Mm. But the one thing that people still wanted to go out to buy, even though they risked getting COVID-19, was the supermarket. Right, yep. So even though the supermarkets offered deliveries, most people still wanted to go to the supermarket. True. Uh, office property, that's taken an even bigger hit. You know, not everyone is going to work from home every day, but mm. there is no doubt that long after COVID-19 is gone, some people will work from home on some days, which means... Landlords, or uh, sorry, bosses don't need as much office space. Yep. So mm -hmm. uh, I can see large vacancy rates in office space unless they can repurpose it. And I think one option for people is co-working. So co-working is like lots of little offices right. in a hub. So it's almost like the serviced office model. Oh, okay. And... Yeah. And so you, you can hire a space for a month, let's say, mm -hmm. and you've got access to great internet, photocopier, printer, scanner, yep. tea and coffee making facilities. But the beauties of these co-working hubs, which are really sought after by entrepreneurs and startups, is the ability to mix with other like-minded people. All right, so your business might be in IT, and in, you know, in the room next door or the space next door is somebody from marketing, Yep. Well, you know, the two of you might be able to help each other out. True. So I think co-working is a growth area. But as an asset class, I reckon the area that it's going to have some very good short-term growth is what we call nowadays logistics or in the old days we used to call industrial property because okay. we used to, like we used to make a lot of stuff in Australia 40, 50 years ago. Fast track 40, 50 years and a lot of it's made overseas. Yep. And uh, so far as uh, logistics is concerned, it was just-in-time delivery. So we'd never used to store lots of stuff, but whenever you needed it, you know, you, you put in your order and it would mm -hmm. get delivered within a day or two. But again, COVID-19 has taught us some very valuable lessons. Mm -hmm. We're going to go from just-in-time delivery to just-in-case delivery. Yeah. So you, you are going to need to store your essentials, you know, hence... Hence why recently the Prime Minister announced that they're going to pump a couple of billion dollars into the oil refineries because most of, our, most of the oil that comes into Australia is from overseas. Yeah. Well, if we have another COVID-19 or something else, where were we going to be without fuel, in particular diesel? So even though it might cost us more, mm. we need to protect that vital asset. We're making AstraZeneca vaccines here, so we can't depend on overseas supply. Sure. So I think we're going to see more and more manufacturing, probably 
uh, advanced manufacturing mm. and storage uh, as a result of COVID-19. So in a nutshell, Tony, mm. to, you know, if you're going to get into offices, you better make sure that you can repurpose them. Yep. If you're going to get into retail, same thing. Um, and shopping centres, I hope nobody from Westfield's listening, but <laughs> shopping centres are not as popular as they used to be. No, that, that Pe- definitely People true. want a more personalised experience. I mean, I'm a bloke and I don't really understand this, Tony, but shopping is not just about shopping. Shopping is not just about going to buy mm. something, all right? It's yeah. the experience. Correct. It's the opportunity to have a coffee during your shopping or lunch or maybe meet up with someone or go to the movies, yeah. right? So it needs to be a more lifestyle experience yep. and and a more personalised experience. And, Tony, I, I'm not exactly sure how old you are, but I'm probably a little bit older than you, but... Like, you remember the old days when we used to go to the cafes and you, it would seat two, 200 to 300 people, right? Sure. And it would be really noisy. Um, but nowadays, we go to that little tucked away place yeah. where the barista knows our name, knows the coffee we have, and maybe it only seats 15 yeah. or 20 people. Yep. You know, th- things are changing. So I think... Absolutely. Yep. Other than residential, and one of the reasons I love residential is because everyone needs a place to live in. Whether they can afford to buy it or not, they need a place to live in. If you're going to buy commercial property, you need to be able to repurpose it. Whether it's if you've got a big space, you can make it into a smaller space. Right. Or fit it out for for something a bit different. That flexibility. Mitigate your risk. Absolutely. Got it. Beautiful. Peter, amazing information. You've got wealth of knowledge, but I'll... Uh, I'll interrupt you now because we do need to take a 30-second break from our sponsors. So um, thank you for that. We'll come back right after this break with Peter Kulisas. Learn all about commercial property investing and how to leverage high yields and cash flow with Helen Tarrant. If you're looking to invest in property, grow your portfolio, or if you are a residential investor and are feeling cash-strapped and are new to commercial property investing, join Helen Tarrant. Australia's leading expert in commercial property investing. Get an edge in today's markets with Helen Tarrant's exclusive online commercial property education program. Go to commercialpropertyschool.com forward slash insiders and get the insider secrets to successful commercial property investing. Welcome back, everybody, to the Commercial Property Insiders podcast, and we're here with Peter Kalisos, and Peter has given us some absolute gems about <laughs> the perils and the benefits of both commercial property and a little bit on residential property as well, so really appreciate that information. So, Peter, I just want to sort of turn it a little bit towards some of the experiences you've had as an investor um, as well, and the people that you have worked with and some of the things that you've learned from some of the really successful uh, property investment investors, specifically with commercial, but you know residential as well. And what sets those very successful uh, property investors apart from the average investors like like uh, Tony Boffer? <laughs> <laughs> so I think the key word here is entrepreneurship. It's the okay. ability to see an opportunity, which is very hard to do, right? Yeah. But then take advantage of that opportunity, which means you've got to take a risk. So you've got to see the opportunity and then you've got to take the risk. And most people can't see the opportunity and then many people do not want to take the risk. 
And obviously with risk, there can be downside, just like there is upside. But you mitigate your risk. You know, like simple things, like I said before, if you're going to buy a commercial property, you want to be able to uh, make it a flexible space so you can repurpose it, right? Or if, if you're going to buy, uh, rather than maybe buying one large commercial property with one tenant, if you want to mitigate your risk, you might spend the same money and you might have six or seven different tenants. So if one leaves, you've still got most of your rent coming in. So, you know, there's many different things you can do. But I reckon the key word there, Tony, is entrepreneurship, seeing the opportunity, seeing what others can't see, and then willing to take the risk. So that's what I've been doing wrong all this time. <laughs> I need to open my eyes a bit. No, that's great. That's really good good information. So, all right. But that does sound like a bit of a natural talent, really. It is not something, is it something? Uh, it's not learned? something that's learnt. It's not, we certainly don't yeah. teach, well, we what have some courses, <laughs> we have some courses called entrepreneurship. Ah. But where the, I think what we do more is teach our students about entrepreneurship rather than teach them how to be entrepreneurs because that's really a part of your own makeup. What sort of a risk taker are you? Like we can teach you to see find the opportunities, especially when it comes to property development and town planning. It's really about interpreting uh, what we have now, which is called the planning and design code, and knowing where you can, you know, stretch the boundaries and yep. know where the council says, no, this is it. So, you know, we can certainly teach them that, but to change their risk profile, no, that doesn't yeah, happen at university. Only rural life will teach you that. Yeah, not fair enough too. All right, great, great insights there. So thank you for that. Uh, now, Peter, you've written a couple of books. I haven't mm -hmm. read them. I apologise, but I... That's I all right. I'll, I'll give you an overview, Tony, so you don't have yeah. to go out and buy them, all right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. Are they on Audible? I listen to Audible every day. Anyway. Uh, I don't know if they're on Audible, but they're certainly on Amazon and Google Books. Oh, great, yeah. great. Tell us a um, bit about them, and, and I know you've got a book coming up as well. Tell us a bit about yeah. these. So the first one is called Top Australian Suburbs, the best... Uh, oh. suburbs to invest in in Australia and yeah. a lot of that was based on suburbs improving like the gentrification of suburbs yeah. which is something that I'm really interested in yeah. so in that book you'll find 107 suburbs 20 from each of the major capital cities mm. and then two or three from Hobart Canberra and Darwin so uh, and even though I wrote it over 10 years ago because suburbs take a long time to gentrify yeah. Um, then, uh, you know, if I wrote the book today, many of those suburbs that I wrote about over 10 years ago would be still in there. So if I can give you some examples. Yep. Tony, you know the suburb of Torrensville in Adelaide? Of course. I live yeah. there. Well, nobody nobody wanted to live here 50 years ago. Only the Greeks lived here 50 years ago. I And me. Yeah, there <laughs> you go. Italian. Well, I'm still here, mate. I still live in oh, Torrensville. Beautiful. I grew up in Torrensville and I'm still here. Yeah. So okay. Torrensville is one of those gentrifying suburbs, as is Theberton. Like we used to think, geez, I'm glad I live in Torrensville and not Theberton because Theberton is really <laughs> down there. <laughs> not Theberton. <laughs> but now Theberton is actually my number one suburb in Adelaide. Other right? suburbs, uh, like for those people listening in Melbourne, places like Yarraville and Seddon have gone through some great gentrification. In yep. Sydney, Erskineville, Enmore, Newtown, uh, more recent times, St Peter's. Um, West End is a classic one in Brisbane. Again, a lot of Greeks live there, still do, but a lot of urban renewal has occurred there. So that's what I was looking for. Really, suburbs, 
undervalued suburbs. I mean, we, you know, we all know you can go and invest in a blue chip suburb just like you can invest in a blue chip share and you're going to get a solid return. I was looking for suburbs that would give you that a much better than average return. Excellent. No, I like that. It's just, I think you should have renamed the book, just follow the Greeks. <laughs> <laughs> follow the migrants. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Follow the migrants. They know. Hey, now, for some people who may not know the word gentrification or gentrifying yeah. a, a suburb, can you please explain that? I sure. Know, so please. gentrification is the process where old becomes new. So it's where... And if I give it like either Torrensville or Yarraville or Erskineville in Sydney as an example, these were blue-collar, low-income uh, places, right? And, because, and one of the reasons is because there were a lot of factories nearby. So there yes. were a lot of factories like on the River cool. Torrens in Torrensville yep. and in Theberton. Yep. Uh, and back then we used to have our factories in the city. Now we have yep. our factories, you know, way out of the city. Right. Um, so we had a lot of those blue-collar workers living in those uh, houses, and then over time they move out. And, and what's happened, and this is not just an Australian phenomenon, this happens all over the world. Yep. Providing you have character or historical or heritage buildings, right, mm -hmm. either close to the city or very close to the sea, they're your two major ingredients for gentrification. Yeah. So what's happening in Torrensville, Yarraville, Erskineville, and many places around Australia and the world, young white-collar professionals who work in the city are buying these little character cottages yep. and spending money on extending them and renovating them. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, prices, prices go up. And it's not just residential property. If I can give you an example of commercial property. Mm. So Henley Beach Road, which runs down the middle of Torrensville, when mm. I was growing up, Henley Beach Road had, I reckon, four fish and chip shops and um, the uh, pizza bar, Napoli's Pizza Bar, right? Yeah. <laughs> now, thankfully, Napoli's Pizza Bar is still there because they make great pizza. But now yeah. there is like 28 yep. different uh, shops. Yep. A Greek still there, Italian, uh, Afghanistan, Chinese, yep. Indian. It's like the United Nations all in one strip there. Yep. Um, so it's becoming very cosmopolitan. That's so, you know, and for me, there is a few early indicators that investors can look for so they can get into these places. And it's not like, oh, you should have got in last year or the year before, otherwise you miss out. Gentrification takes 20 to 30 years. Okay. You know, Norwood and Unley in Adelaide. Yep were areas that people didn't want to live in 50, 60 years ago. Right. Or more recently, Semaphore yeah. or Henley Beach is probably the most recent one. Oh, yeah. You know, 20 years ago. Imagine if we bought property at Henley Beach, Tony. Wow. Yeah. Funny I was that smart. Um, yeah. So that was one book, and that sounds like a great book. I've got to get that for sure. Uh, so what's the other one? What's the other one about? It's called Property Versus Shares. So at the time I was lecturing in property investment and my right. friend was lecturing in share investment. Ooh, okay. So he wrote the, uh, the section on shares. I wrote the section on property. And basically we looked at the advantages and disadvantages of property and shares, but yep. giving different categories, a bit like I did today, you know, comparing the risk, comparing the return. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and property and shares, we compare it with the risk, return, um, 
the hassle, like there's really no hassles in owning shares, but there's a lot of hassles in owning property when you have your tenants. Um, yeah, you got to pay stamp duty when you buy property. You don't got to pay stamp duty when you buy shares. Yep. So, you know, we looked at all of those things. Probably and points. I'm writing a book with a, a lovely lady called Margaret Lomas, who's a very well-known property investor on okay. property development. So she did a little development uh, at Christie's Beach, which is a beachside suburb of Adelaide. Yep. And she did a development on the Central Coast in New South Wales. Okay. So she's documented that like a bit of a diary. And, and me as the so-called expert on property development, I don't know if I am, but um, I came in and, I, and then I would write notes on what went well, what didn't go so well, and tips yep. for people who want to get into property development. Yeah. Gotcha. Beautiful. It sounds like, when's that coming out? Uh, look, it's with the, we're picking a publisher at the moment, so certainly put it on your Christmas list, I reckon. <laughs> Yeah, and good. Sounds good. What's the name of the book or you haven't got a name? Oh, we, don't, we haven't worked that out yet. I mean, the, oh. publishers, the publishers and the editors have a lot of say. At this stage, it's going to be like the diary of a property developer. That's okay. what we're thinking. Great. But I'm yeah. sure they'll come up with a much snazzier name than that. Yep. Excellent. Excellent. All right, Peter, thank you for that. That's great. And we'll, we'll definitely uh, I'll put that in the uh, description about the titles of your books. I'll grab them from you later. Um, now, Peter, we'd like to end. We're just about there. Uh, we'd like to end the podcast with a 30 second tip for our listeners, something that you've learned over the journey of your long journey and maybe something that's not so obvious or or clear to people that are relatively new investors in property. Okay. So probably the one, one of the most common things that I'm guilty of saying at uni and anywhere else that people want to talk to me about property is this, and it's relevant to both residential and commercial. The value in real estate is in the land. It's not in the building. Yes. yes. Because property has two components, land and building. It's the land that appreciates in value and the building that depreciates in value. Because over time, the building is worthless. People will knock it down and build something else. But mm. the land will always be there. So the value in real estate is in the land. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's, yeah, when you say it, it's like, of course, but we forget that. We'll go off we and buy one-bedroom apartments and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> in the CBD, they go down in value after 10 years. They certainly do, like <laughs> a brand-new car. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, unfortunately. No, that's a great tip, Peter. Wonderful tip. So thank you. We're out of time, but look, I really appreciate all those. You've got some fantastic golden nuggets and we will look out for those books, which I'll put into the description. Can you give them? The, give us the titles again of those two yeah, books? First one is The Property Professor's Top Australian Suburbs and yep. the second one is Property Versus Shares. Beautiful. Yeah, beautiful, pretty straightforward. Peter, thanks again for your time. Great to, to have you here. I'm sure there's a lot more you can share. So if you if I could have you back sometime, I know you're very, very busy, but if I could have you back again, we could talk about some other topics as well. That would be great if you're open to that. No problem. Happy to help out, Tony. Yeah, good on you. Peter, thanks again. Thank you for uh, all that great information. And thank you to our listeners. And uh, until the next exciting episode of Commercial Property Insiders Podcast, Farewell to you all, and Peter, thanks again. Pleasure.
Thanks for tuning in, gurus, and don't forget to hit that subscribe button to stay ahead on all the latest news on commercial property. And if you are serious about investing in commercial property and really want to be a success, I strongly encourage you to learn from the best and head over to commercialpropertyschool.com forward slash insiders and get specialist education on commercial property investing. That's right, folks, commercialpropertyschool.com forward slash insiders and go for the best course in Australia on commercial property. Until next time, gurus, Tony Boffer signing off for the Commercial Property Insiders Podcast. All of the opinions offered are done in good faith. In the event of any person sharing their story or information, this does not constitute financial advice. The opinions contained may be short-term in nature and are subject to change. Past performance is not indicative of future results. All investments involve substantial monetary risk, including the risk of losing one's entire investment. None of the information contained here constitutes or is intended to constitute a recommendation that any particular security investment or strategy is suitable for any specific person. None of the information contained here is nor is intended to be personalised investment advice. You should strongly consider seeking advice from your own personal investment advisor based on your specific circumstances. Real estate investing is a dynamic vehicle. Cash flow and equity positions can change on a daily basis. People on this podcast may be affiliated with certain products and services.